Welcome to Club Management. On this show, we talk to artists, DJs, and music industry professionals on how they're changing their community through music. I'm your host, Shannon Dawson, and you can listen to the show on any of your favorite streaming platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play. Please make sure to subscribe and give us a cool little comment, too. And, you know, if you're feeling generous, please make a donation at patreon.com slash clubmanagement1. It will help us a whole great deal to make sure we're bringing you the best in terms of production for the show. And, you know, it gives me a little budget to hire people, too, because right now this is a one-woman operation. Uh, So any help could help me get these shows out faster to you and get them out in better quality too. This is episode 26. And let me tell you, thank you so much for listening and growing through the development of this podcast with me. I made a mistake on the last show and I forgot to put an intro (laughs) on the show with unique. Um, But as you know, the last episode was just an interview that I pulled from a live stream event that I did in partnership with Currents. uh, And it was so much fun. And it was such a pleasure talking to the Jersey Club Queen herself about her journey and all the things that really make her unique. So I'm super happy about that. I'm actually going to start doing more video interviews for this podcast Uh, including the episode that you are going to listen to today. So subscribe to my YouTube channel at DJ Shannon. Shannon is spelled S-H-A-N-N-O-N. The link to my YouTube channel is in the description below too if you need a shortcut. For episode 26, we have the talented DJ and producer Sinistar who hails from Detroit, Michigan for the show today. Sinistar has become known as an innovative and consistent producer with a skilled and adventurous ear for defying genres within his production, also exploring with a broad range of sounds in his DJ sets too. Traversing elements of footwork, jungle, drum and bass, and techno, Sinistar makes pure bangers. And he's had releases on some major league labels from Exit Records, Fabio's Creative Source, and even Metalheads. Sinistar checked in with me for a nice chat about coming up in the drum and bass game, racial disparities within the industry, and what he's been cooking up in quarantine. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This is great because... Um, you know, I think what you do in terms of your artistry and production is all about what this podcast is about. So that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And I feel terrible. I'm late to the Sinistar game. Like I'm really late. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just found out about you uh, last year because of Daniel Power. Okay. Uh, and Void of Corruption, obviously off of Unchained. Um, Daniel Power is incredible. He's been on this. Love Daniel. Too. Love that man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just listening to that EP, it was it just served as a perfect introduction to everything that you do, and then awesome. just go back, you know, down the line of things and realize that you have just like this historic catalog. Before all of this, is really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, actually, first, let's talk about Detroit. Yes. Where you come from? Um, and Detroit is just such a historic place in terms of music in general, right? Like tech, yep. jazz, Derek May, Underground Resistance. I mean, absolutely incredible. Um, what is, I mean, what is, what is some of the influence that you draw from Detroit in terms of your sound? Because you've got to have some of that legacy in the, in the right? In the yeah, city. yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be, it would be weird for me, and I've seen it. With, with other artists like it'd be weird for me not to be to be from there not represented or not say that it had some sort of like influence on what I do right so yeah no it's like through and through 100% I played across Detroit across the tri-county area across you know the state of Michigan <laughs> in the region of the Midwest you know it goes on and on like there's so much influence with like that city and then just how I guess, yeah, the city and the rest of the region impacted me, really. Like, a lot of the scene was, it's like, it's mostly Black, and it's mostly like, you know, it's a lot of stuff that just got invented and innovated (laughs) where I came from, you know? (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I went to to church up the street uh, from Motown, from, like, the actual 
Wow. Like, yeah, yeah, Barry Gordon's house, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like, I had that there. We had, like, Underground Resistance was, like, literally across the freeway. Like, their, their, their house is, like, right down the street. So, yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of really cool history within, a cool musical history as well. I mean, yeah, we have Jay Dilla, too. So. No, I know. I know. <laughs> there's just so many. I can't even keep track of it all. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, there's so many, like, good, uh, I don't know, just just players within that within that scene you know yeah. no matter who they are man woman whatever yeah. um yeah they're there and they're representing and people i think more people are embraced to that it's like oh you're from detroit and my situation is a little different because i make drum and bass i'm not making like house and techno like everyone else or, or hip-hop like everyone else um but a lot of people now that they're getting into more genres and things like that they're finding out about me and stuff so it's working it's going it's going well and um yeah like i said detroit is very um influential for that i actually just played a house festival um last weekend and i didn't play house so i just played what i played yeah he asked me to play what i played so i mean that says a lot in itself i'm playing next to like juan atkins and like bruce bailey and shit like that so yeah <laughs> And wait, is that going to be like actually like outdoors or live stream? Um, it's live stream actually. It's live stream right now on Mixcloud. Um, they'll they'll do. I, they'll probably replay all the sets that he got. Um, that Todd got. Like shout to Todd. He runs a festival called uh, Sharivari. Yeah. Out there, and uh, it's been going for years. Todd's like an OG OG promoter. I mean, like you know the old Belleville Three. Well, you know, he was like working with them at one point, and he's working with all like the OG like. Detroit Cats. So for him to ask me to do that was kind of dope. And then, yeah, at the same time, he asked me to do what I do. So yeah, yeah. that's huge. That's really huge. <laughs> yeah, it's cementing my place, I guess, within the city, just as much as I did the rest of the scene. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I've been participating in a lot of the live streams. How is it performing in URL compared to IRL? Um, I treat it like radio. Yeah, it's literally just another like radio thing for me, basically. Like we've been doing live streaming even alongside the radio stuff or alongside radio shows and stuff like that forever. Be it you know whether I travel, whether I like pop through. My cat's about to jump up here. Hold on. Oh, yeah, you want attention? Hi, buddy. Say hi. Hey, Say hi. Oh, sandwich. Oh. Oh. What's his okay. name? A sandwich. A little sandwich. <laughs> My, my housemate just pulsated from cuteness. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that like every day. Yeah. <laughs> so adorable. So anyway, um, but yeah, just like I don't know, just being uh yeah, a part of that is like <laughs> super important. And yeah, it's just like joining radio or doing like live streams and doing like um things like that. Yeah, it's radio, more radio stuff for me, honestly. And now I actually took the time to set up my space and like, you know, actually have a space to like record and like, you know, yeah, I don't yeah. need to move around. We had it set up down here. I can actually even show you. Let me see. I'd be, I'd be interested to see. Do you have a few house plants or two thrown in the mix? <laughs> Not yet down here. We're still trying to figure that part out, but we've been kind of lazy and lax on it. But we just, I just moved, like, my studio space is over here. Uh -huh. And there's our DJ booth, but my studio space is over here now. Oh. Um, but we were moving stuff around, like, a ton. Yeah. Just, like, yeah. But, yeah, no, pretty good. Like, I can, like, record and everything from that point. Yeah, and, and that's like a little green screen I see back there, or what was? Uh, what was it? The um. The projector, or? Flip it around. It's a green screen. No, we just have like a yeah, just standard setup. You oh. Usually, just set the camera up like right over here. Nice. And like yeah, do like live stream shots or like yeah, we have this space now in front of us to do like, um, full shots and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean. With everything happening, I just, like I said, I treated it just like it's another radio thing. So, yeah. Huge. Yeah. I mean, radio plays a big part in everything, right? Like, all the yeah, 100%. I worked on it. I used to work on radio. <laughs> a long time ago. Really? What yeah. station? 
Um, on my high school station, actually, it was a uh, 88.1 FM. It was called The Escape at that one point. Yeah. I think it's called The Park now, but <laughs> they do like Top 40 and stuff because that's what the kids like. So, <laughs> um, yeah, they used to do everything. I think the program director was like a screamo fan. So, yeah, a lot of the stuff I found was like in the in the reject bin. <laughs> Not messing with things. Yeah. <laughs> Not in any sense. That is so funny. I too, I actually started off in college radio too. I went to college at uh, Columbia College in Chicago. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So I went to school for broadcast journalism. They had a whole college radio setup where we could like you know kind of get our feet wet with what to expect in the industry and perfect that's how everything started. So perfect. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's move on to the next thing. I mean. I want to go even further back to where it all began. Um, Detroit Diesel. Actually, yeah. was it peer pressure or Detroit Diesel first? Peer pressure first. Okay. Peer okay. Pressure first. Um, and that was off of what label? Uh, peer pressure recording. Peer pressure recording. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The tune. The tune I did was called uh, "How We Do," mm-hmm. and it just sampled that Bahamadia sample or whatever. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that came out. That was the very first thing I picked up. Um, on peer pressure, yeah, that was out of San there out of San Diego. I was thinking it was like six, seven or so. Um, you know, Submorphics? No. Uh, Submorphics is dope. He's a dope drum and bass producer, but he is the one that kind of referred me to them. He's from Michigan as well. He actually is from, but he used to live like right up the road from me. So I'd go over to his house, and then we just like pretty much he would show me music, show me how music works, how to write it, how to do all that stuff. So yeah, I did that, and uh, like I basically was giving music to peer pressure, and after a few months, they were like, "Yeah, we got, we like this one," wow. and then it's it like circled on from there. Yeah, um, yeah, that's when I met Fabio. That's when I met all those people. Dude, and that's huge. So you like literally start out, and then like what? A couple months later, you just get a phone cat, like a phone call casually from Fabio, like, "Hey, you want to release something on my label?" Like, yeah, yeah, it was like. You know, as I was meeting more people, they were just passing my stuff along to everybody. And then, sure enough, it was like Fabio. And then he played my tunes a lot on his radio show, which is like excellent. Which was, you know, great. I mean, it's in the bigger picture, it's been changed. It's changed like everything. But you know, in the small term, it was like, oh, cool, got a radio playing. All right. <laughs> but you know, keep it moving. So, uh, how old were you? At what At what age did this all started happening for you? Uh, my first one, I was 22. Cute. Yeah. Yeah. And then it just pretty much picked up from there. I think it was like Heads by 25. And then, yeah, like Metal Heads by 25. And then, yeah, it was like hospital the year before that. And I don't know, I just sat down and, I mean, I was living in Michigan at the time and not making house and techno. So I wasn't out every weekend, right? So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like out every other when there was, a, there was a drum and bass thing going on or whatever. But yeah, so I was at home working, and yeah, all this stuff picked up. I was on AIM, like crazy. Uh, <laughs> AIM. It, yeah. They, like, seemed so distant. <laughs> they were all instant messenger. It was, like, literally the, the saving grace for a lot of us, instead of us, like, mailing CDs in. Yeah. yeah. But also so. MySpace, too, right? Like, I'm sure yep. that was a great entry point for, like, communicating with people and, like, getting your foot in the door. I, like, forgot. Yep how crucial MySpace was. Like, it really put a lot oh, of yeah. on. Yeah. Anyway. Yep. I got looks off of MySpace and Twitter, for sure. Yeah. MySpace and those two. Those two were the ones that were like, yeah, perfect. Huge. But I would imagine yeah. at 25, being, like, already, you know, having stuff with releases with Fabio and then Metalheads, did you feel like at 25, you felt like, well, damn, I've done all of these things. Where do I go next? Like, Okay. So... I had that question, or I had lunch with the guy from Underground Resistance, uh, the guy that um, does the label management for it, uh, Cornelius. Cornelius Harris is the name. And, uh, yeah, he, like, the basis of our conversation, like, when I called him, I was like, hey, I've got this record coming out. You know, I wanted to send it to you. He's like, yo, let's let's meet up. Like, I want to talk to you about it. Because it was pretty big for me to, like, have a release like that, you know, as a Detroiter on metalheads so um, yeah him and i got to talking and he was like yo you did this 
go do something else, I guess. I don't know. But it's like nonchalant, but he was like, no, you literally hit a point. This is a good point. Like, this is a good point for you to stop and like, you know, rearrange, I guess, rearrange the furniture a little bit. Because, yeah, you're pretty much there at that point. You're pretty much there at this point. You hit the top, like, in terms of... I guess dance music for most of it, for for the most part. You know, you talk to anybody in dance music to talk about metalheads and I yeah. guess it's act and stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, and then later on down the line, I actually played Miami. I think it was a few weeks before I left her there, actually, 2011. We had to play for metalheads and all that other stuff. And uh, while we were there, another friend of mine, Mutt, um, he goes, his name's Sean, but he goes by, yeah, his producer name is Mutt. He was the one sending my stuff to Fabio. So him and I were talking and he's like, all right. Cause he, he was making drum and bass, like very soulful, like hip hop inspired stuff. And then he switched over to house and got picked up by like Strictly Rhythm. Like, yeah, like he already hit the top with drum and bass and then he went to house and then just went back up. So yeah, he, he was like, yeah, I'm doing the same thing where I hit a point and I don't need to be keep making this point that I'm at the top here and go do something else. And people remember that. And yeah, it's like, I, I've never left, but at the same time, you know, you're bringing up a tune from 10 years ago, still from 13 years ago, still, you know, like that's, that's like, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. because Detroit Diesel and anti-personnel is crazy. Like, yeah, I, the production value is like ahead of its time, you know. So thank you. Yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, so yeah, exciting to see. I mean, when you talk about kind of taking it to the next level, would you think about like steering outside of the drum and bass realm and possibly producing a techno track or? Oh, I have been. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I have been. I have been like uh, quite a few times, like throughout what I've been doing. I think after 2011, I was just like, I'm just gonna make everything. Cause like, I was meeting people that were straight up producers as opposed to drum bass producer, house producer, techno producer, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm meeting some, like a machine drum, like an ohm unit, like, uh, you know, like people along the lines of that where they could, oh, like Chris Murdoch, it's another person. Um, he could play, they could all play whatever, but, you know, you hear a song, you're like, oh, shoot, that's Machine Drum, that's Chrissy, that's, you know, like, yeah. that's kind of the mentality and I had anyway, kind of wanting to go into it. It's like, I want to produce all sorts of dance music as opposed, you know, to just drum and bass or whatever. But I I love drum and bass a lot. So there's a reason I stay within it. I try to, like, I don't know. It, it's been fun kind of flying close to the sun with some of this stuff because it's like, Two wrong measures or two wrong arrangements, and it's like, (laughs) we don't like this one. Yeah, Yeah. so it's cool, like kind of taking the risk with it, and just because, like, uh, I already kind of wanted to do that anyway. Mm. Um, Yeah, it just worked out that I I was making more stuff. So yeah, I like I have a bunch of dance, like dance music across the board now, as opposed to uh, earlier. So where it's just like straight up drum and bass. So. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Even the stuff that uh, came out on Hoover, on Hoover sounds mm. very like Jersey clubby almost. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like I, I came from that whole realm of dance music. Jersey, like from Jersey to Detroit, basically. Like it was like all ghetto tech and Philly and be more and like all that style of music because I used to visit my aunt and grandmother and uncle, like all in Maryland. So um, I spent a lot of summers there. I'm talking like the summer, like 98, 99, when Aaliyah and shit was popping off. Like right before she, like she was already like pretty well known. Mm -hmm. Like of course in the nineties. Yeah. So like a lot of the stuff that was breaking uh, in the nineties, like, name any Aaliyah tune like a lot of that stuff was being broken in in DC proper at first because I would go back to Detroit and then never hear it like again on our <laughs> like on the on the radio like no RB nothing like yeah I, so it was definitely pivotal for me in that sense and then kind of the 
I guess the addition to that is hearing Baltimore Club on top of it. Like going to the mall and seeing the DJ and he's like, yeah, well, check this out. And then give me a CD and I'm like, this just sounds like my stuff back home. Like, you know, I don't know. It's just a, the idea of like noticing a pattern. Mm. And that's been the pattern forever. Like going to like going out to the park and like seeing dudes with their trunks out with their speaker system blasting yeah. and that stuff's blasting. Be more cub blasting, ghetto text blasting, yeah, all sorts yeah. of stuff. So yeah, it's been a part of my like backdrop of my life for like a long time. So it, it was no, it was like second nature, honestly. <laughs> for me to be like, all right, cool. Like, let's get this set up. And I was already rolling that way anyway mm-hmm. with my sound because I want to make more clubby sounding stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but with, yeah, you know, with like the techno element, with the jungle element, but like the stuff that we grew up listening to, you know, oh, yeah. like with like, uh, like the more in the 160, 170 realm. Cause like I've, I hear it a lot with, a lot of people, including even friends of mine, but um, you really have to know the territory in order to like do it correctly. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's some, there's definitely some times where I hear it and I'm like, yeah, this is close. not and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of close. There's yeah. a lot of close happening. Yeah. yeah. True. Um, but yeah, so many great releases from you, including, and correct me if I'm pronouncing it wrong, is it Nain Rouge or Nain Rouge? Oh, Nain Rouge. Yeah. Nain Rouge. Rouge, yeah. Uh, it means Red Dwarf. Ooh. Yeah. Nain Rouge so, has a really fun story or scary story behind it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Antoine de, de Lucille. Wait. Antoine de Salle. Wait. Antoine, Antoine de Salle. <laughs> That's his name. Um, yeah. He basically founded Detroit. I think 1701. It was a trading post before it was a city. <laughs> uh, basically, he moved in and this fortune teller, because they were in a superstition, I guess it was a French thing. So, um, yeah, they were. she was like, everything you know is about to go, like, up in, basically. Like, the crops will perish. Like, people are going to die around you, so on and so forth. And uh, he was like, eh. And then moved in, and then all that happened. But I mean, some could say it was just winter, but because <laughs> it gets cold <laughs> in Detroit, like yeah. Um, but that whole tradition is stuck for like three hundred years, um, three hundred plus years. So they have a march they've done for almost ten years now. Well, they've marched the devil out of Detroit, the red, the red dwarf out of Detroit. So because mm-hmm. they say that he is the sign of either good luck or doom. So it's both. He's just there. <laughs> he just there. <laughs> so yeah, that's the whole premise of that. So yeah, I wrote an EP around that. Just like, and I I had promised Deebridge when I signed it to Exit. Like I was like, yo, I want to make a very like Detroit record. Mm. If I do anything, because and then he hit me up and asked me to do one. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, no problem. <laughs> yeah, done. So I like made my four or five tunes or whatever, and they took them all. So. Oh yeah. goodness, and all of it is so great. There's a track Thank in you. particular, and I'm blanking at the moment, but um, there's a track in particular where it sounds like two aliens are kind of talking to one another. <laughs> it's got this like really wobbly bass. Ah, I cannot think of it at the moment, and I wanted to talk to you about it. Uh, <laughs> you're even trying to think like two aliens. Hmm. <laughs> right. Which one? <laughs> <laughs> But the whole EP in general is just fantastic. Um, Thank you. I'm interested to know what actually happens in a Sinistar session that like, there's just so much bass involved. There's so much like, I don't know. It just feels otherworldly when you listen to a Sinistar track, really. Thank you, yeah. What goes on in the production process that allows you to get that clean sound? Um, Lots of trial and error. Lots of cursing, lots of. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's more so, I don't know, not to get too technical, but I mean, just like making sure everything just sounds clear. (laughs) (laughs) As opposed to, you know, I mean, I can make things like kind of gritty or dirty and stuff, but I don't like how I grew up listening to a lot of the dance music that I grew up listening to. Um, a lot of it was kind of made to be, I get the limitation 
allowed for um, some really crazy ideas to shine through. Yeah. Um, but to, I, I just kind of think of that idea as like, how does that limitation work? Like when you listen to like a Detroit techno track, I know like I have the synth that a lot of the, you know, um, a lot of the artists that were using it like in Detroit techno, that's that's when they were using the DX100. Yeah. Um, and they used it in jungle, they used it in all sorts of stuff for bass lines, but I don't use that like all the time, but just thinking of like that concept of like, okay, they had to use that low end, the low end of that keyboard to like make their riffs or sounds and mm-hmm. their bass lines and stuff. And then some other part of the keyboard for melody, some other part of the keyboard, just things like that. Just like less is more, like kind of the more approach with it. And I just sit down and make it, you know, I, I like to make sure I have a clear head and things are out of the way. And it's been really tough lately. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> as opposed to usual you know i can i'm really good at clearing things out of my head and sitting down and making stuff but it's been equally as tough doing it now but yeah now nah, it the path is clearing I, i'll put it that way <laughs> so you know i think if anything i think that this time although it's been like obviously really tough for everyone i feel mm-hmm. like it's given a lot of artists and people in general just time to rethink how they want to do things and like sit down in a creative plan on how they want to you know achieve goals or just change things in general with life so um, yeah it's know. been interesting like uh, i i keep this screenshot of this tweet um it was a tweet it's on instagram uh judena the yeah. african guy um he said I'm so, he posted a picture of a selfie of himself. He's like, oh, I'm so glad that I didn't have to change my brand for the times. <laughs> and I was like, oh, right. I didn't have to do anything, honestly. <laughs> I just have to wake up and keep doing more stuff. But obviously, like, let people know what's going on and talk about the scene and the way things are. But in terms of my stuff, I, I woke up and kept making more music and kept make, doing more stuff because, like, my idea of 2020 was just to keep doubling down on everything that made 2019 work, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just going to be more of that. I mean, it's still going to be more of that after everything is said and done. Like I'm still here and like, I don't know. <laughs> everything, <laughs> somebody's going to pull the plug off of 2020 when it's over. It's like, yeah. well, no, we still have 2021, two, three, four. So <laughs> yeah, I'd like to, yeah. It's like focus on that. Like focus on what is ahead. Cause past 20 years are done right. we're, we're done we're done it's over <laughs> <laughs> like whatever you thought whoever you were standing next to you is you know either fucking up or you know they're they're moving forward with you so yeah but it's like i i've always been in that mindset like make more do more stuff like so yeah for me um i'm watching a lot of people change and shift and squirm (laughs) you will (laughs) but for me it's like well yeah i'm nothing really changed it's just a matter of um i don't know not going insane (laughs) in the quarantine yeah (laughs) luckily i have nature like i live in denver and i'm like yeah i'm by the mountains yeah not right now because there's a fire that happens every summer yeah it, it goes down every summer so yeah, but other than that, like, it's not, um, I have that, and I have good housemates, and I have all that stuff around me to, like, yeah. keep myself going and stuff, you know. Yeah, uh, and I remember the track, it's not a linear threat. Yeah! yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. Yeah, like that that tune I, I had a lot of fun making that one. That one's like, yeah, the electro Oxy eighty eight salute <laughs> to them, you know. Yeah, it was kind of that idea. And then I was listening to Silo Pass a lot from uh Sir Spyro. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. So I kinda had that idea in my head, like the two aliens talking to each other. Yeah. Especially the um the remix. The remix does it. Of that that uh that um what is this track? I just mentioned it, Sir Spyro. <laughs> Silo Pass. Yeah. yeah. It, it just, yeah, it kind of has that same, like, idea. But, um, yeah. No, I'm glad you liked that one. That one I, I really 
love making. So. Oh, yeah, of so. course, man. I love it. Um, so let's talk about two things that have been big in the music world in quarantine. Mm -hmm. One, the whole 160 jungle erasure debate, which has been a real hot topic. Uh, you know, of course, uh, the, the genre is just historic. A lot of sounds, obviously, from the UK, and then that came over here and, you know, caused this mass wave of just artists really, truly trying to paint the sound the best way they know how. Right. Uh, but it seems like that has really gotten lost in terms of who actually created it, um, and it's caused a big thing. What do you yeah. on, on on it? Uh... A few things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because um, I know that what you're talking about, like in terms of like noir bringing it up too. Yeah. Uh, you're absolutely right. Like, no, that's absolutely happening. Yeah. I saw it happening. I saw it happening from like the jump of this. Like, um, it was like I'm friends with Machine Drum, Ohm Unit, and Fracture. And those guys, like when they first started going that 160 route in 2011, mm -hmm. yeah, it was incredible. It's still incredible. I'm going to play that stuff like to this day. But they knew exactly like what they were playing and they were listing it as such. You know what I mean? And um, as with like drum and bass and a lot of other genres, there's a lot of copycats. There's a lot of people that are just copying that sound or that same arrangement and stuff like that. And there's another person I even mentioned, Mark Pritchett, same mm -hmm. deal with like After High Tech and all that stuff. He already, like they've, they've set the precedent and all that, but I feel like a lot of people just copied it instead of going, hey, that's cool. Let me make something like that, that works with that, as opposed okay. to, um, I just want to make 160. It's like, what do you mean when you make 160? You know, when you talk to somebody that says they claim it. You know, it's like, oh, I'm playing 160 set. What does that mean? Like, are you playing jungle? Are you playing footwork? Are you playing... I was going to say, I yeah. think the same thing. Obviously, uh, Noir had mentioned the same thing happened mm -hmm. on footwork too, right? Like, all these new cats start coming in because it's not, their sound is not necessarily from Chicago. She had mentioned, like, you know, they wanted to rebrand it in a way that was more marketable. Um, do you Which think it doesn't make any sense because yeah. Tech Life is literally the biggest thing walking. It's been the biggest thing walking, like, since they like joined forces, yeah. you know, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. That does that mentality doesn't make any sense to me. It's like, well, but I mean, like I've been here, like I said, I've been doing my thing, and like I've slowed my stuff down to one sixty or whatever. But I know what I'm doing, like in terms of like blending the sounds and stuff together. And I like to blend it from outside rather than oh, I'm gonna take this or track and then this jungle track and then arrange them. <laughs> and it just sounds like some weird mashed up, you know, it, it sounds like I'm trying to sound like Sam. And I'm like, is I Sam Binga? And it's like, nah, like Sam sounds like Sam for a reason, right? Like all these people sound like all these people for a reason. It's like, find your own path. And then at the same time, like know what you're making. These, mm. like, it's not that difficult. <laughs> it's not hard. It's not hard to like, just figure out what you're making. Like, you yeah. know, if you make footwork, if you're going to make footwork, know your history, know the history of it. I think that's the thing that's been blowing my mind more than anything. It's like all these people that, I don't know, claim these positions of like, oh, I'm curator, tastemaker, da da da. It's like you check them on two things. It's like, like why are you here? Like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> it's like, you're, you're, I mean, the friends that I have that do that sound, right? It's like, all those people I just mentioned, it's like you got homesick, Wheezy. Um, Wheezy was the one that actually mentioned that, like how people are like claimed to be curators and tastemakers and stuff, and they're just like completely not knowledgeable about stuff. There's, there's not knowing about a particular artist. That's whatever. Like, who cares? As long as you heard them, as long as you found out about that, that's cool. That's all blessed. But yeah, some people are like, no, they claim to know that shit. Like, they're like, yo, I am the follow the forerunner of this and then it's like yo who's this and they're like i don't know who that is i'm like that person made the sound that you're championing and you don't know who that is you know what i mean yeah, yeah seriously you know like <laughs> yeah it doesn't make any sense to me like in that set in that vibe so yeah noir is like noir nailed it and wheezy like brought it up wheezy was on uh red bull music academy with like people like homesick and stuff and i used to live at homesick when i lived in canada so mm -hmm. him and i were like 
talking about music all the time and he knows about music like you know uh matt wheezy knows about it like i talked to jubilee all the time too she's like they all worked in a position where like yeah they know everything about the sound that they love and they're able to like articulate it properly and i thought i was around a lot of people that were like that and oh my god am i wrong (laughs) (laughs) and it's a lot of figuring that out and it's like oh man and yeah like going back to what we're saying like with the 160 sound there's a lot of group thing involved you know like everybody wants even 170 stuff people are calling it 170 it's like well what 170 what <laughs> yeah. But I can make 170 footwork, no problem. I can make 170 juke. I can make 170, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like yeah. the ghetto tech guys are playing drum and bass even since before. Like, I can pull up old recordings from 99, like old radio recordings yeah. from Detroit Radio. They're playing jungle records on top of like everything, you know, on top of hip hop, on top of all that stuff. So, it's been done before, as I don't see what the issue is of not labeling as such, you know? Yeah. And, and then recognizing yeah. the the people that are responsible for creating and birthing these genres, I just feel like this time has really brought light to the fact that like there's just this historical smudge of black people all. Yep. <laughs> yep. I was gonna say you called it. I was like, yeah, let's really call it what it is, like the erasure of black artists and black musicians. Yeah. But yeah, totally. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That was, I, I love the article that Noir wrote, and I knew that you had some thoughts on it for sure. Oh, um, yeah, I saw it coming because, like, when Hyro posted that, like, I was like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was like laughing. I was like, yeah, here it comes. <laughs> and then I posted it on my Facebook, and it was like paragraphs, people. <laughs> for, like, paragraphs. I was like, yo, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is this is this is the gospel. This is it. Like, this is what it is. It's like, these genres are here. Name them as such. Like, stop trying to like try stop trying to remake everything like movies. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, next thing that is also crazy is the whole Spotify debacle. Yeah. Is what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm a title user now because <laughs> I still use Spotify for artists because I still get playlisted. So <laughs> still gotta. I guess, yeah, I still got to keep it clear, you know? Uh, yeah, that was so weird. I was like, why Why do you have to keep post-putting up music and stuff? Like, we'll tell that to, like, Sade. Sade would come up out of the woodwork every 10 years and be like, hi, here's an album. I'm going back. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. Everyone's like, oh, my God, best album of the year, da-da-da, on everybody's list. Yeah. You can do that with music. You can do that with music. That's not a problem. And two, like I said, you mentioned stuff from 10 years ago still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you mentioned stuff on Wax. I know for sure that stuff is not on Beatport or Tidal or anything like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. that's important. So I don't know. Like, he is not a musician, clearly. Like, he's a tech dude. And there's a lot of those in the scene mm-hmm. um, that think they can use metric to try to sway the industry. And it doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's always just been a thing where it's like, you want quality over like the quantity of things. Right? Yeah. That's so funny that you mentioned that. I was reading uh, this article about how these tech, there were like some tech uh, guys that thought that they could produce music. So they were like building these algorithms to produce music. Yeah. And people were pissed because the algorithm was able to receive a songwriting credit and like, you know, they got paid and everything, but they didn't actually make the music. They just designed software to make it i guess yeah 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 but i mean that's not gonna you're gonna have to take years and decades and like dare i say centuries to like be able to find to be able to like get an ai that sharp yeah but i mean you i mean you can get ai to study centuries of music but what difference does that make like if somebody's like yo that that sucks that's (laughs) me Right? Like, but for you as an artist, isn't that scary to know, like, damn, like, and I talked about this with DeForest Brown Jr. too. He was like, uh-huh. you know, he, it doesn't necessarily concern him, but like, that's scary. It, it's already scary enough that the music that you make, especially if you're posting yourself on Spotify, is only worth what, like zero zero point four cents per stream or something? Right, right. But to have a robot possibly come in and then, you know, make sales uh, and potentially, you know, see success off it. That's scary. 
<laughs> to me, honestly, like that's gonna that that'll have an end. That'll have a stopping point. I mean, you can stop a robot with logic. Mm. Like <laughs> so if you if you really like, you know, if you really stop, like you can really stop that dead in his tracks if you're just if you're just making good music. That's true. Like people people will flock to whatever is good. And yeah, if they do a good job at making uh, AI music or whatever. I feel like that's going to be impossible, honestly. Mm. Like, there's, there's, like, there's really no way. There's no way that they could, I don't know, make something that original without having to sound like someone else anyway. Yeah. And what they're, what are they making? They're not making drum and bass. They're making pop. <laughs> they're making make off a of pop. So that doesn't make any sense. Like, there's a, there's so many formulas that change per year, mm. based on whoever the number one is. Yeah, so it's like, oh, okay, well, then they're going to probably just stay in their corner and not make dance music. Or they'll make EDM and bank off of it. But it's like, are you mad because they're uh, banking off of dance music? Or, like, it, it has to, you have to, like, really look at what they're making. <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to really, like, understand, the, because it's a quantity and the quality of it. Mm. Yeah. As opposed to, uh, oh, okay, cool, this guy's just making rap. And you make an AI rap, and that's it. <laughs> AI mumble rap, and then that's like, okay, who is making bank off of it? But and then like some other rappers pissed and trying to pull up on them. Like doesn't make any sense. But dance music, it's like, yeah, <laughs> you have to be sitting in front of it, and you know, it's it's a very human element to dance music. I think it's like we're trying to make the machines talk rather than, you know, having the machine make. The machine talk, you know. <laughs> yeah, that actually yeah. makes total sense. Uh, yeah. How was how was Bandcamp Day for you? Like, did you were you able to make a little little change off of it? Um, not so much this month because I didn't post anything new. Uh, the last couple times I have though, like I've been yeah, it's been doing really well for me. Nice. Like, yeah, I've been getting like a friend of mine sent me a really nice uh, yeah, some some really nice spread as a thank you, you know, type of deal. Yeah, it's cool. Like, I like Bandcamp a lot. Even when this pandemic wasn't going on, um, I would say, go get groceries, right? Come back or like pay for my bus or whatever. Come back and I'm like, oh, cool, pay for it. <laughs> so we pay $3. So we pay $20. Perfect. Done. You know? that and yeah, it's dope. Like, it's dope to have like uh, older items, like some things people might have missed. Because that's what I've been doing is posting a lot of the stuff that is past uh, contract. Right. Um, so yeah, the, the Detroit Diesel stuff, like, yeah, all that stuff on the backlog. I call it backlog or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah all that older stuff I've just been posting and like making sure, yeah, people get it. And I make it free too. So people like pay, pay whatever you want. So, cause it's old. Like, what it, like I have a bunch of new stuff coming like that, that can populate my band camp, like and everything. But yeah, this older stuff that I'm sitting on, I need to sit on it anymore. You know, it, yeah. it's gone are the days of hanging on to your dubs <laughs> to try to, you know, get it signed and stuff. I, I can still do that, but I have more people messaging me to work on projects mm -hmm. as opposed to me like fishing for projects all the time. Yeah. So yeah, I have all this other stuff I'm sitting on. I can just put on Bandcamp and call it a day. It's, it's been awesome. beneficial for sure. And they shout me out. So hey. can't be mad. <laughs> yeah, amen to that. And I'm glad yeah. they extended it too. I was so afraid that they were mm -hmm. going to cut it off, but I'm glad they ended up extending it for folks. Which is yeah. yeah, yeah, it's great. I'm glad they're they're doing that. Yeah, their their whole idea of just their direct to consumer or direct to artist music. You know, it is direct to consumer and direct to artist. Actually, it's perfect. Like, it's a nice little setup. Um, it you know, it's been something I wanted to do to like set up an online store to be able to like put my older stuff up anyway. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, this is a nice first step. And then later on, you know, I'll start getting like my, when I get my little camp together or whatever, I can start having my little online shop and go nice. from there. Any yeah. plans for you to release your own label? That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's like, what I'm talking about. You're hitting at that? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of the idea. It's like I want to get my get that together. Yeah, that's that's been in talks for such a long time. It's just getting the idea and getting it like uh, that China trip helped a yeah. lot. 
yeah, big perspective. For it ain't sure. like, your mind is like blown when you got to oil and you were like, what? There's like a whole bunch of like cool Chinese kids that just want to like go berserk over drum and bass. That's it. That's <laughs> it. That's like, I, it's so wild. Just like uh, going on that first tour. Um, yeah. Just seeing how everyone was down. Yeah. They were like, oh, cool. Like you're playing this dope. Like the people that picked me up. Um, from the air, like from the different cities, they're like, "Yeah, we heard your music. It's dope. Like, we'll have you at the club." I'm like, yeah. "Like, I come here, everyone's like, hey, you know the scene. Uh, <laughs> you're trying. You're competing with like five different shows." Uh, <laughs> so it's like, nah. There was none of that. It was like, we're gonna have a good party, and it's like everything I went to was like, was just dope. If it wasn't busy, the hospitality was amazing. Wow. You know, and a lot of that was like. Uh, yeah, it had a lot to do with like how I, yeah, saw, I don't know, music and design and those things moving forward. So yeah, a lot of that is going to be like folded into the label idea. So <laughs> yeah. Cool, yeah. Um, really cool. Lastly, this has also been a great year for both you and Sherelle, which is yeah. a monster behind the decks and like everything that she does is really, really cool. Um, mm -hmm. How did you link up? Oh, okay, so she asked me to do her radio show in 2018. Mm. Um, yeah, it was like the top of 2018. I just did a quick like jungle footwork mix for her. And yeah, she like named it as like her favorite mix for that year um, towards the end of it. And uh, yeah, no, we just stayed in touch, like sending her music, making sure she was like, yeah, she got like everything and then yeah, she was like, yeah, I'm starting a label. She just started moving up speed, right? And yeah, she started a label and I just gave her some music, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as simple as that. And then um, she actually came and played here in Denver uh, sometime last year. And uh, yeah, like we met up then, like in person. And we were supposed to meet up in April, but then the Rona happened. So yeah, yeah, that was unfortunate. But hey, that's all good though. Like we, you know, the fact I think this is going to be another one. This record where people are still going to be talking about it like years on down the line, right? So yeah, yeah I'm happy about that. So yeah, with with Sherelle, like going back to Sherelle, it's dope. It's nice that, and I told her this too. It was like you're doing like the American sound really well but you're like over here over in the uk doing it it's like pretty much what i was doing here with like the drum and bass sound and like bringing it here and like with the american audience and then like adding the club element on top of it so yeah, yeah. we're very parallel in terms of that path i think and uh it's dope that we're both like black or like djs and yeah. <laughs> yeah doing this you know um there's always been like the weird not weird i wouldn't i shouldn't say weird it's just been a different imbalance you know as opposed to i was actually gonna ask you this like because i feel that sometimes too for black artists i mean treading into territory that people feel like you know what i mean it's like mm -hmm. you know what i mean um do you ever get those feelings sometimes that people are like oh it's a black guy in drum and bass or you know what i mean like you shouldn't feel that way because drum and bass no. is coming from black culture yeah because i'm here like i'm here because and like most of the people I really signed my records to, yeah. they're black founders. It's the black founders, like Renegade Hardware, Exit, Metalheads, like uh, In Perspectives, like you go down the line, it's like, yeah, no, I've, I, I, it wasn't something I was actively seeking. It was just like, oh, cool. I looked up that person and I was like, oh, black people, nice. And <laughs> <laughs> kept it moving, right? But at, yeah, at the same time, I'm like, no, that, for me to see that is like super important. Like the optics of that is super important. It's been less, I would say, in the growing years. Like, especially me traveling out to places like Canada and traveling to places like um, even Europe, like traveling in Europe, you know? Like, yeah. I don't see a lot of us there. Yes. And a lot of us in those spaces. Uh, for me, you know, I have to think in my head, I'm like, no, I'm at the top of this. So <laughs> I'm a bad headliner. <laughs> So I don't need to worry about, oh, am I nervous? Am I, you know, what, like, what is this club going to be like? No, nah, it's like, no, I walk in, play my show, and I kick it, and go into the next one, right? Right. Uh, yeah, I think it's, like, super important. Um, 
to have someone that looks like you. I just thought of this actually. It's funny. Um, I was in Grand Prairie, Alberta. I don't know if you know where that is. Is it in Canada? Yeah, it is in Canada. Uh, it is a day's drive from Alaska. Um, that's where all the oil riggers and stuff are, like all the oil rig guys and people that work there. Um, you go up there, you make like a hundred grand for six months, for six months of work, and then go back to wherever um, that you were from. And uh, yeah, they have a massive scene there because they make money. Um, yeah, and when I say massive, I mean, it's not big at all, but I mean like they bring out really big names for them to keep themselves busy, basically, aside from working. Yeah. Um, so I'm at the show and this like East African dude like walks up to me just like smiling from ear to ear and I was like oh, what up like another black dude here da 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 he was like I was walking around here it's like the dead of winter also like north so <laughs> yeah so he's like yo yeah me and my boy were just walking around at shows and or looking for something to do and I saw your face on the flyer and I was like oh man I was like I didn't know who you are I was like I saw a black dude on the flyer and I just pulled up <laughs> It's like fifty dollar cover. It's like fifty dollar cover, and he's like, "Yeah, no, cool, like Aww. done." Yeah, and I'm like, "Ah, uh, okay, yeah, that's that's important." And you know, I don't make it a point. I mean, it's it's been more of a point now than I think I've ever made it, honestly. But it's just been something that's like action, like second nature, like more action than actually talking about it. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's important. Honestly, that's why I shouted you like when I saw that, you know, you're friends with Daniel. Like I didn't like I said I didn't know who you are. I was like, Oh, cool, you're in China and you're like you know yeah. the black DJ out there. Perfect. Like, cool, we're your <laughs> friend. <laughs> it's yeah. so important, you know, because I feel like with that, that's how the change is really gonna come. Like when mm-hmm. we all when we all come together and say, All right, we're not gonna take like assholes saying that we can't be in the genres that we created or like do the things that we want to do like it really comes from that unity so thank yeah. you man. I really gotta do it gotta stick together with this like honestly like it's it's not um you know we all don't have to necessarily be in one genre like at all and that's kind of the thing too a lot of the journalists are um doing that and you know we both work in like journalism so you you know what the deal is like uh, there's a lot of weird erasure by them in the sense of, oh, you have to be playing this style of genre of music if you're from this per- particular area, right? If you're from London, what do you play? If you're London to Black, you're either playing, you're playing drum and bass, maybe, maybe jungle, and you're from like 20 years ago. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe it's like you're, you're Sherelle, or you're Sherelle, someone like Sherelle, like where you're playing like, you know, footwork. And that's another thing, it's like, because she's playing what she's playing and it's from there, it's going to be really well received, you know, and, and it's dope and it's dope for that. And then she, she crosses over here to where bass music is like bigger than it, like ever used to be, you know, and then she gets the same amount of uh, attention. Like that is the point, like that's the point, you know, but then um, you have other people that are in like house and techno or their black faces and stuff. And that's like, all they that's like all they get relegated to and it's like mm. ah, there's more the, 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 i think more of these journalists have to see that there's a more multifaceted black dance music scene mm. than just house and techno and garage like and that's been kind of my point i've been on more black people lists i think than i've ever been on list like <laughs> <laughs> like check out these black people i'm like oh it's me and i'm like <laughs> you know me you know me for years Right. Like, how, how did I not make this list as compared to 2020? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. I've been in books, I've been in magazines, I've been on TV and all that stuff. Like, yeah. it's been cool, but it's That's just because cool. this journalist liked my sound. Like, it wasn't like, oh, because you're Black, we're putting you here. Yeah. Like, That's like, that's so interesting that you said that because that, that made me think of a tweet that Ash Lauren put out, and she was like, it's kind of weird that everybody's just like now, just now getting hip to. Right. us black artists doing what we're doing you know like why yeah. is it now you know how, how come yeah. y'all couldn't say something years ago <laughs> yeah and it's uh you know um it's not like like i said i wasn't looking for that i'm like oh first black like no nah, <laughs> fuck that like like i can't like i can't think like that like you know oh because if i play that role it's like well I'm, that means you're not letting anyone else in 
You have to be the first. You have to stay being the first. <laughs> you have to stay being the first and the only. And that's not, that's not right, I think. That's not really like the way you should go about it. And for as long as I've been here, I've seen more Black people pop up in every genre of music, like period. Like I know, a, I know a Black dude from around here that plays like progressive house. Wow. Like he's in the trans circle. Like he's like trans family, transmission, like all that stuff. Like, but yeah, he's like all good with that. But that's so important to see because guess what? If he picks up and starts getting more shows and like, you know what I mean? Like really making a name for himself, someone else is going to see that and be like, cool, I want to do that. Yeah. They're like, yo, show me how to be, like go up to him and be like, yo, show me how to DJ. Da, da, da. Um, I played Noisia here uh, last November, right before I left for China again, actually. It was like the week before. Nice. Um, yeah, and I got a message from this guy that was in the crowd and actually said hi to me right before he left. And then he messaged me after. And he was like, I didn't realize there were any like black folks in drum and bass until I actually just saw you up on stage. And I was like, well, I'm like, there it is. Yeah. And like, that's, that is the first step. <laughs> like you know like being just being there and being in that space and having someone else see it yeah and you know uh acting upon that and inspiring them and stuff like they're you know they it, i don't know it, it's I, I might be ranting but yeah it's <laughs> it's so important <laughs> i can't say it enough yeah, that makes total sense. Uh, well, we've been talking for so long. This is awesome. I want to thank yeah. you so much for, for just like, yeah, just bearing it all and talking. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's absolutely. a conversation that needs to be had. And I feel like when you talk to another Black person, we just get it, you know? Yeah. But I know you, I know you understand that. And it's cool meeting another Black um, DJ that's, that's a lady, you know, as opposed to... Um, yeah, like I don't know any black male. I don't know a lot of black male DJs. <laughs> like I do. I mean, in terms of like drum and bass, like you know the people I work with, right? Um, but yeah, there's 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 a lot of there's a few, but there's not people that are like in the same position or like at least around the position that I'm in. Yeah. You know, for you, you're like throwing parties and like things like that, so you have like a grasp of like you know different facets of it. You know, as opposed to like just someone that's just just DJing just buying records you know yeah so um it's cool seeing it's cool meeting people especially the, like you and then like meeting other people like um that have an idea of you know have a well-rounded idea of like how, how this works yeah. yeah you know how the community is yeah how the black community is and then like like i said meeting all these people that are new all these black folks that are new to dance music and or new to like a particular genre, especially the one that I make. And I'm like, yeah. all right, cool. Let me tell you, I'll show you. <laughs> yeah, cool. Welcome. <laughs> First of all, you know, yeah. for the longest time, for the longest time, like, you know, everyone thought is dance music is a white person genre. And so now that other people are realizing that that's not the case, like, it's like, all right, cool. Now that you realize that, come hang with us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm to show you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's show you the right way. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. So. Love that. Thank you so much for being on the show. If people want yeah. to find your music or find out more about you, where do they find you? On Twitter and Insta at uh, Sinistar underscore three one three. Um, and then my Facebook is Sinistar dot three one three. That's mm -hmm. my artist page or whatnot. I'm active on all that. Message me. I'm always around, so I'll be in my house. <laughs> yeah. Okay, perfect. Yay! We're coming out of the interview between me and Sinistar, really, really lovely guy. I had the giggles throughout the entire interview. Um, you know, there is a YouTube portion to this interview, so please head over to the link in the description. That is my YouTube channel, and you can watch this interview 
uh, via video. Uh, this is something that I want to keep exploring with because, um, you know, I tell great stories on audio, but I want to see how these stories translate via video. YouTube has always been something that I've been dying to explore. Um, and I want to get out of my comfort zone. You know, I always talk about this on this podcast. I am extremely shy, uh, believe it or not. You know, I, I think that's a real uh, common theme with artists that a lot of artists actually tend to be shy, uh, when it comes to being on camera, but you know, behind closed doors, we're just like incredible in our own right, you know? Uh, but YouTube is something I've always wanted to explore. Um, and I really want to translate these stories better by actually providing some visuals for you guys. So I hope you enjoy it. Please follow me on YouTube for more content. Uh, and yeah, stay locked to all the streaming platforms because as always, I'm going to be bringing you some more exciting episodes on Spotify, here on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and literally anywhere you get your podcast. That's it for the show, folks. Thank you so much. Until next time.